You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. Well, we are going to be uh, in Colossians once again tonight, and we're going to be continuing our series here, but we are, believe it or not, turning the page a little bit. Actually, we're not turning the page. We're just going down to a different verse. Uh, basically been on the same verse for a couple of months feels like, but, uh, but we are transitioning to what he was dealing with here in the book of Colossians, and I want to preach on the thought on beware of wolves, beware of wolves. Jesus said in Matthew seven fifteen, beware of false prophets which come, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Then in Colossians chapter number 2, where our text has been, we're going to start by reading verse 4, where the Bible says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. And now, what we've been dealing with here for uh, several weeks, as we've gone through verses 5 through 7, is he's saying, I'm going to tell you this, because there's those out there that would beguile you with enticing words. But if you can be, continue to be a soldier, and if you can continue to be planted like a tree, and if you can continue to uh, you know, walk in these ways that we've looked at, abounding and being established in the faith, then it will help you to withstand the false teachers. But look down to verses 7 and 8. Rooted and built up in Him, and established in what? The faith. In the faith. All right, that's important. As ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware. Beware. Same thing Jesus said, Matthew 7, 5, Beware. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. If I didn't think you would laugh, I would tell you that the word spoil there means booty. Booty. But what it's talking about is like a pirate's booty, like a treasure, that which would be robbed. Uh, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, when you study the New Testament, when you study the epistles of the New Testament especially, you'll find how often false doctrine and false teachers are being addressed. I marvel, I don't know about you, but don't you just imagine that first century, if, you know, in an ignorant way, if you didn't know better, don't you just imagine the first century church? I mean, my goodness, Jesus Christ himself, you know, got the disciples and, and, and launched this whole church thing anyway. They saw the miraculous power about what God was doing there, but yet right away there was false doctrine and false teachers that was infiltrating the church. So I marvel how quickly false teachers began to attack and infiltrate the churches in the first century. But I think about this also. What is the church called? Is many other things, but the, the church is called the bride of Christ, isn't it? And I began to think about that. It didn't, it didn't take the serpent too much time in the Garden of Eden, did it? To go and begin to spill his, his tactics toward Eve, did it? And I'm telling you, it's the same way here. Satan uh, attacks the bride of Christ right away. And 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verses 3 through 4. 2 Corinthians 11, 3 through 4. I've got a lot of verses tonight, all right? And I want you to mark these verses down, remember them, make a note of them. 
uh, because I'm going to be going through them pretty quick. Turn there if you can. We can do it like Bible drills tonight, see who can get over there first. But 2 Corinthians 11, 3 through 4, the Apostle Paul says, But I fear, lest by any, main, any means, as, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom you've not preached, or whom we've not preached, or if you receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, you might well bear with him. He had a concern that the Corinthians were not grounded enough in the Word of God that they might actually go along with another Christ being preached, another gospel and another spirit. And I'm telling you, I have the same fear today. I'm glad I can say I don't have that fear among many here within the church, but I'm telling you, it is startling when you look in the world. And, and when I talk about the world of Christendom, I don't want to just address like the big broad term of Christianity. I want to talk about people that are truly saved by the grace of God that really aren't uh, that, that may be willing, like Paul feared here with the Corinthians, to accept another Jesus and another gospel and another spirit. So if you think about this, I believe the foundation of what I want to say tonight, if you go back to verse number 7 with me, the Bible says, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. And I wish you would mark that word, the faith, going back to Colossians 2 verse 7. The faith, that's the same faith that's mentioned in the book of Jude. When the Bible says we should earnestly contend for the faith. And I know oftentimes when we think of faith, we often think of I have faith in God, my faith in God, my faith in uh, you know, what He's going to do. But that's not necessarily the type of faith that's talking about the faith. When the Bible talks about the faith, it's talking about revealed truth. It's talking about the total embodiment of revealed truth. It's talking about what we base our faith upon. So he says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. The Bible says that there's going to be certain men. Folks, there are, uh, there are doctrinal creeps that are afoot. They're called wolves. They're called creeps. Uh, because the Bible warns in Jude that certain men have crept in unawares and it says we got to earnestly contend for the faith because again it's very simple we talk about it a lot but it's good just to remind ourselves that satan's playbook from the very beginning if, if you're going to attack the work of god if you're going to attack the people of god and if you're going to attack god himself what is the very first thing that must be attacked the word of god the word of god must be attacked first and that's what we're dealing with we're still dealing with that in the day age which we live some say that we can't really know the truth but the trickier thing and i'm telling you i want you to listen to me very closely because what is one of the popular things that's been going on in christianity really for the last 20 plus years but it's it's growing i believe in popularity is uh these out there that say well you know we have the truth and we can know it, but it's really not that clear. There's an ambiguity there. There's an uncertainty and an unclearness about what God's really saying. That, and that's kind of the argument today. It's not out and out denying the Word of God, but it's just saying it's not too clear if God really is saying the things that we say that He's saying. Now, 
For you Bible students, God speaks pretty clearly, doesn't He? God does not stutter. God does not stutter. God does not mumble. God speaks very clearly. And we know that. But there are those who aren't in the Word of God that are believing false teachers which say you can't really know. Uh, the tr- it's just not very clear. Because, uh, and here's the thing. If it's not very clear, who's it left up to to, to decide what God says and doesn't say? Okay, let's go back to the Garden of Eden, why don't we? You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. As God said, and I'm telling you, uh, the, one, of the, one of the more prevailing thoughts today, and, and, and it's growing in the quote-unquote Christian world, and is this idea that, again, the Word of God's not very clear, and then there's this idea that people... Why, why, have you, do you know that there are a lot of churches that have preached the Bible, preached salvation, and done a good work for God that are now uh, what we call woke? You would be amazed if you knew the churches that are quote-unquote woke, which just basically means they're you know, buying into this, uh, this new age, this, this, uh, a lot of communistic or socialistic Marxist-type principles. There's churches that are teaching critical race theory, which is just out-and-out racism that does not agree with the Word of God. There's churches that, there's churches that will not take a stand against homosexuality. Because here's the thing, that's mean. That's mean to say that we're against homosexuality. That's mean to say we're against sodomy. That's mean to say we're against transgender. That's mean. And Jesus wouldn't be mean. The God I serve is not mean. It's mean to preach that there's a hell. And that's where people are going to spend eternity if they don't accept the Lord Jesus Christ. They think it's mean to preach that Jesus is exclusively the way to heaven. And so what they say, well, that's not the way my God is. And I agree with them. They've got a lowercase g God, but it's not the God of the Bible. But that's what's going on today. The reason that churches can be quote-unquote woke, the reason these churches can uh, not be, you know, be, be soft and be weak when it comes to things that God has spoken very clearly on is that they don't think it is very clear that God's spoken on it. And so what they do is they choose darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Uh, John three nineteen, And that's what's going on today. And I got way ahead of myself there. But I'm just simply trying to say that it's, it's, Satan's, it's Satan's attack. Let's question the Word of God. Then number two, let's get us to be the ones who decide what's good and evil. Folks, we've got a Bible. We've got the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God right here. And folks, we can stand on the book. And I'm telling you, it. and, and see, and by the way, I want you to know that what I just said to you is considered to be uh, heresy, if you will, among many in what's called the emerging church. Because what the, the statement I just said to you, they say that's uh, bibliology. They say it's, it's worship of the Bible. And, uh, but folks, it's not a worship of the Bible. It's just simply declaring what God said. Notice it with me, if you will, uh, even here in the book of Colossians. Uh, Colossians, just real quickly, Colossians chapter 1. Just go back a page to your left if you're still in Colossians and look at verse 5 through 7. The Bible says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before, where? In the word of truth, 
uh, in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is coming to you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and you uh, of the grace of God. So simply what he's saying there and what I'm trying to emphasize is this. How do we know we got a home in heaven, the word of God? How do we know anything about God, the word of God? I mean, you know, it, it's the Bible. And so, do you remember what the Lord said? He actually, the Lord actually said this. Thy, thy word, thy, the Bible says that God exalts his word above all his name. You know, we've been talking a lot about the word of God lately. But what I'm just simply trying to tell you is that there's an attack on the word of God today. Notice also in Colossians 1 verse 10. Colossians 1 10. The Bible says, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. How do we increase in the knowledge of God? But through the Word of God. And then quickly, verses 28 through 29 of Colossians 1. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. What is he warning? What is he teaching? He's teaching in wisdom. He's teaching the word of God that we, we cannot be presented perfect in Christ Jesus if we are not hearing and learning the word of God. It's absolutely vital. Now, we face an assault on two fronts as far as concerning ide ideology in the day and age in which we live. False science and worldly philosophy is one. We, we've talked to, uh, uh, some about that this year. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. And by the way, you know what was committed to Timothy's trust? <laughs> the Word of God. Keep that which is committed to thy, tr thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. So there's the... Uh, the, idea, the ideology of false science and worldly philosophy, which is going to be talked about there in verse number 8 of Colossians 2. But what I want to emphasize tonight is seductive false doctrine. What I want to try to do tonight, or begin to do tonight, is to arm you. I want to arm you, and, and, and better yet, after I, after, I, after I wrote that in my notes, I, I put over in parentheses, or point you to the armory. Because I can stand up here and preach, but all these things are for you to discover on your own, aren't they? Remember, the message, I'm not trying to get you to take what I'm saying because I'm saying it tonight. I want you to study it and know it for yourself and understand and grasp for yourself the importance of the Word of God. So to either to arm you or to point you to the armory so that you can stay faithful to Christ and to the Word of Christ. Paul, he said that sharing the truth of God's Word, when he closed out there that, those last verses of Colossians 1, sharing the truth, sharing the Word of God was important enough for Paul to commit his life and then ultimately to give his life. Sharing the truth, sharing Christ, by the way, are one in the same. The false teachers, now I want to just try to draw a quick parallel to, to the direct context of Colossians. The false teachers in Colossae were Gnostic. Gnostic with a G. They claim to have a mystic knowledge of spiritual things. And I just want to share just a couple of features that correspond to our day. One of the very first, the very first mark about Gnosticism is it absorbed non-Christian thought into the Christian faith. 
It absorbed non-Christian thought into the Christian faith. I just want to try to get that in there and marinate, and I'll, I'll bring that up again uh, in just a moment. Non, it, it, it absorbed, it incorporated non-Christian uh, thought into the Christian faith. Another thing I'd point out, this is interesting, the, the Gnostics also taught that the Jehovah of the Old Testament was, a tribal, was the tribal God of Israel, and He was denounced as an alien and hostile deity. Does that sound familiar? Folks, there are people that are born again, I've basically heard say that. Well, it's not the God of the Old Testament. We got a different God today. No, the Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, but there's a couple of things there. Notice again, chapter 2, verse 8 of Colossians. The Bible says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. I've already talked to you about the word spoil. The word spoil there, it means it was used for the plundering of a house, the robbing of a house, and of the seduction of a young woman. That's what it was used for in the culture. So it was used for robbing and seducing. Seduction is a picture. Matter of fact, the Bible warns in a couple different occasions, it calls the false teachers, it talks about seducing spirits. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment too, but that's the word spoil, spoil. But the Bible also says uh, through philosophy and vain deceit. Basically, vain deceit is intellectualism and high-sounding nonsense. Hey, aren't you glad when it comes to the Bible? I am glad when I walk into the doors of this Bible preaching church that you do not have to check your brain at the door to come in, do you? Praise God, you can bring it with you. Because the Bible is a thinking man's book. The Bible is logical. The Bible is sound. The Bible is right. Um, but I'm talking about this intellectualism and basically a high-sounding nonsense, vain deceit. Okay? So the foundation I want to try to lay here tonight is this. Number one, we have the truth. We have the truth. Number two, we can know the truth. We have the truth. We can know the truth. Absolutely we can. You know, we make, we, we, we've, in, in, a, in a sermon series earlier this year, we, you know, we kind of made fun of some of the nonsense concerning you know, this, the day and age in which we live to where people says that there's no absolute truths. And remember, do you remember what a good, good follow-up question? Any of you teens remember, what's a good follow-up question when somebody says, well, there is no absolute truth? Is that the truth? Is that absolute? I'm absolutely sure. You see, it's nonsense. I'm, that's, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. But now, that's, that's, that's a worldly philosophy. But going back to the first point of Gnosticism, non-Christian thought bringing into the Christian world. We see that way, way too often. We have the truth. We can know the truth. The enemies, and another thing I want to say, is that the enemies of the truth are cunning and the enemies of the truth are relentless. And the Bible warns us against this repeatedly. I'll, I'll say this, people, you know, one of the big things that we hear today is people talking about my truth, right? We're not talking about my truth tonight, we're talking about the truth. We're talking about the truth. 
I mean, uh, God's Word is truth. And truth is truth, amen? You you don't get to have your own truth. Uh, You can have your own opinion. You can have your own experiences. But, folks, the truth is the truth. We have the truth in the Word of God. But I'm telling you, as Christians, we've got to be careful. Uh, Now, I'm talking to you today about Christians, okay? I mean, I'm talking about people that I believe are born again. I know are born again. I believe that anyway. I don't know. I can't know, no. Uh, Only you can know 100% sure. But but people that are saved that I've talked to that have said said things to me like, well, you know, I I know the Bible says that, uh, and and that's the way you interpret that portion. But, but, you know, I interpret another way, and you can interpret a different way, and, and you can have your little truth, and I'll have my little truth. And wait, what? You get into a Bible say, well, what that verse says to me, you know, and there's all these innocent things. And I understand that God's Word, you know, speaks to our hearts. And, and we can say God's Word is saying this to me. But what I'm saying is it says what it says to all of us. That's not to say, I, I mentioned this earlier when I, when I gave the illustration of, for example, uh, Revelation. Is it Revelation 3.20? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open up to me, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. The context of that, the interpretation of that verse is important to always, and preachers, teachers, it's important when you're preaching and teaching a passage, always give the interpretation first. It's okay to give application to a scripture, but it's important. It does, so a scripture does not have many interpretations. The, the, the scripture generally has one primary interpretation, and there may be some applications that are drawn from that. But the many applications are not the interpretations. In other words, we often apply that verse to someone who is not saved. That's a good application. The Lord is knocking on your heart. He, he does want to be come into your life. He was, does want to be your Savior. Open up to Him. Now, that's an, that's an application, not an interpretation. The Bible doesn't have a bunch of interpretations. I mean, it's got an interpretation. The Bible says there's no scripture of any private interpretation. So, here's the thing I want to say first of all. How about this? Can we trust everyone who is teaching a Bible? Teaching the Bible. Can you buy into every song you hear? I remember, man, uh, I, I go back to this, uh, you know, as, as a teenager, man, the Lord just was working in my heart, and uh, the, the music I listened to, to was just still a part of my old lifestyle, and I was trying to get away from, from that, but there was some of it that I wanted to hold on to, and I remember uh, this, was, uh, this was a Depeche Mode, ver- Depeche Mode version, not Johnny Cash version, but uh, there was a song, and I thought, man, this is great. Uh, this is a wonderful song. See, this isn't so bad. It's talking about your own personal Jesus. Well, that's what Jesus is. He's my personal Savior. Man, these guys must know something about the Lord. Well, what's the problem with that? Anybody know what that song's really saying? Pick up the phone and call me. I'll be your own personal Jesus. I'll be there for you. Okay? Well, that's not a Christian message, is it? Just because somebody mentions God, just because somebody preaches the Bible, let me tell you this, this is a very important thing to listen for. Uh, I'll I just tell you right now, you need to listen to, you listen to what Charlie, Charlie Kirk is saying, that's fine, but you need to listen to what Charlie Kirk is not saying. He's not a Christian, I'm not saying that he's a, you know, a gospel preacher or anything like that. But what is he saying about homosexuality these days? 
In other words, what you need to listen, not only don't listen to what they're saying, listen to what they're not saying. Listen to what they're not saying. There's been an embracing of homosexuality on that side. Did you realize that? Oh, no, because he's talking about all this other good stuff, and it is good stuff. But what is he not saying these days? It's the same way with preachers and teachers. Oh, they're saying some wonderful things. But sometimes you've got to listen to what they're not saying. Uh, okay, here's the Bible answer, okay? Here's the Bible answer to, can we trust everybody who is teaching the Bible or has a Bible? 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. These I'm going to try to hit quickly because I feel like my time's probably slipping in a hurry. Right through the hourglass the sand goes. Um, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. His ministers are transformed into angels, angels of light. I'm so glad. I remember when I was just a kid, Anna, I was probably about Anna's age. woo Hey. I was probably about Anna's age. And my aunt, now, this, it wasn't just right what she taught me, but I always, Anna, what do you think of when you think of the devil? What do you picture? Did you say grandpa? No, I'm just kidding. Listen. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I used to picture? That, there's some kind of canned meat, which, man, I don't know about canned meat. No, I don't eat no canned meat, all right? Now, I'm talking about in a jar can. That's fine. Anyway, but it had a devil on it. You know what I'm talking about? What was that stuff called? Some kind of, and it had a little red devil with pointy horns, and, a, and I'd watch Bugs Money. Can you believe people went to hell on Looney Tunes? Ain't that something? Uh, but the devil would be in hell, and the devil's not in hell. So, Anna, I had this picture of the devil with the, the red, he was red with the pitchfork and the red, you know, tail and the horns. And, but my aunt, when I was about Anna's age, she said, oh, no, Jesse. She said, uh, and at this time, she wasn't even a Christian, but she said, Jesse, if the devil was to walk into, that room, into the room right now, he would be the, would be the most handsome fellow you'd ever seen. He'd have the nicest smile. He'd be dressed to the hilt. He'd be looking good. Because the Bible says he's transformed into an angel of light. But what she did for me way back then, she was just trying to simply get me to understand that Satan doesn't come that way. He comes as an angel of light. He doesn't come all scary all the time, Anna. He comes in a deceitful manner. And the Bible says his ministers. His ministers, as a general rule, now some of them may stand up and just deny Christ altogether, but most of them get up, look good, sound good, whatever else, are saying some great things. But they're transformed into angels of light. The Bible says they're deceitful workers. Now, how do we, what, how's one of the ways we can help discern? Here's one of the ways. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. This is a very important verse. Teens, everyone, 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. You need to be discerning when it comes to people that you hear. Oh, I, don't, don't the Bible says we ought not judge, and I don't, want to be, I don't want to be judgmental to this preacher or this teacher. You better be. You better listen very discerning. You better be very careful to listen to what they're saying, listen to what they're not saying. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. I'm just going to keep on trucking here so I can try to get to some sort of stopping point here in a moment. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. 
The Bible says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall, come, shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that, that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious, pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And the Bible says that they're going to even deny the Lord that bought them. What it's saying is the false teachers, people may be believing, the people who have been bought by the blood may be believing the preachers who are denying the very Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, there's that. Again, very quickly, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from, what's, that? what's those two words again? The faith. The faith, the word of God, the teaching of God's word. Giving heed to, there's the word, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Seducing spirits. I'm going to try to use this as a place to close, and I don't know if it's the best place or not. But I'm going to try it because I'm skipping a little section to get here. Here's the seduction, though. How many of you good Christian folks... Want to offend people? Now, there's a couple of you. I think you might just be okay with it. Uh, but most of us, we don't want to offend people. Okay. okay. How many of you want to be relevant? Relevant. And there's maybe a few less, you know, in our crowd, maybe that's, I don't care about it. But that, I want to be relevant. There's an interesting thing, by the way. Uh, churches that try to make themselves that, that, you know, put out polls, what kind of church do you want? They generally appeal to those 20 and under uh, to, to, you know, what does the culture want? That's what we're going to give them. Uh, I've been wanting to for a while to preach this message. I, I don't have what you want, but I got what you need. Amen. When they, when the, when that man asked for silver, when they asked for silver and gold, and he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Now, listen, um, I'm talking about being relevant and it goes back. It's interesting. Uh, I know the Pisces, when they were out in California, they had, I believe, went by and actually saw the Crystal Cathedral. You know what, you know what uh, Schuler had done out there back in those days? He tried to be relevant, put out a poll, what do you want, 20 and under, basically. But you know what, you look at that church today, they wanted to be relevant then, but it's made them totally irrelevant today. See, when you just try to be uh, relevant and you focus, it happened to the, the, the Willow Church with Hybels and all those guys. They were trying to be relevant to those people, but real soon you become obsolete because within a few years the culture is going to change, and if you don't just keep changing, your church becomes irrelevant. But one of the things that will help you, the church never to become irrelevant is the truth. Amen? Jesus Christ, because He never changes, and the Word of God never changes. Okay, but do you want to be relevant? Um, do you want to get along or be confrontational? Again, some of you, it says. But uh, what's more important? Now, th listen to this one now. Don't answer out loud, but you listen to this question. What's more important, how we live or what we believe? I'll let you, I want to say that again. What's more important, how we live or how we believe or what we believe? I've given you a second to think about it. Now tell me. Be careful here. Amen. What you believe is going to affect how you live. Because I'm telling you, the leading church uh, preachers in the emerging church movement, the thing they go over and over again is, see, remember what I started off talking about? 
Oh, those fundamentalists, you know, they, 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 they worship the Bible, and it's all about what you believe. But man, it's not about what you believe. What they say is it's about how you live. It's about showing the big, huge, quote-unquote, uh, love of God to people. Now, we do want to show the not, quote-unquote, love of God to people, amen? But what they're talking about is what I started off, what I started off with. Oh, that's mean, you know, to say something about people that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but listen, we love people, amen? But praise God, and we're going to keep on loving them. I don't care what anybody says. We ain't loving nobody's sin. Hey, the church is supposed to be throwing out a lifeline to souls. The emerging church is climbing down that lifeline and getting right in the muck and the mire and the, and the sewage with the rest of them. That's not helping anybody. So... The, the answer to that question then is both, amen? Because what they say is, it's not, oh, they focus on what you believe, but we focus on what you do. We do nice things. We believe in social justice. And, and on and on they go. And uh, do you want to demonstrate God's love? And I, that, that's the things that we was talking about. And I just use those things because they're seducing spirit out there today. Because it'll try to seduce you away from the truth of God's Word. But folks, what we know is just like the Bible says, and again, I'm all over the place with my notes now, but basically, we can speak the truth in love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We've got Jesus as an example, do we not? And this, this is where, listen to me, this is where churches and Christians can really get a little confused. Because I've seen Christians... Start being jerks to people that aren't saved because they're sinners. I never saw Jesus being a jerk to sinful people. I didn't see Jesus being a jerk to the harlots. I didn't see him being a jerk to the drunkards, to the tax collectors. I'll tell you, somebody he did stand up to, though, those false, those false religious teachers. Those people who were, you know, changing the truth of God's Word and leading people astray, the blind leading the blind. He did go after that. But unfortunately, sometimes Christians can get a little overzealous and we start, man, getting mad at, you know, as I say, sometimes we get mad at blind people for being blind, so to speak. We get mad at deaf people for not hearing us. How idiotic would you be to get mad at a blind person for running into you? Or a deaf person for not hearing you and so uh, missing some, um, an important point? You'd be a pretty stupid person. Well, I'm telling you, how much greater for somebody that's blind spiritually? And, de and deaf spiritually. They can't hear. They can't see. Of course they're sinful. Of course they're living terrible. We, we don't endorse that. We don't embrace that. But we do embrace and love them just like Jesus did. We've got an example. But we speak the truth in love. We stand on the Word of God. Uh, see, what, what the emerging church tries to do is instead of trying to... You know, I started off with the very first point of taking non-Christian ideas and bringing them into... and trying to Christianize them. What the, what's quote-unquote emerging church, the, 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 this postmodern church, uh, quote-unquote church, uh, tries to do is, listen, they literally sanctify the culture. They welcome in the sin of the culture and make it okay. But folks, what God has called unclean, let no man call clean. And what God's called clean, let no man call unclean. But I'm telling you, we live in a time that we need to make sure that and to understand 
What I'm trying to do right now is here and find where in the world I'm stopping off at because I've got, I'm about halfway through this message, okay? But I'm just simply trying to say this tonight. We need to understand, at least lay this foundation, we have the truth. We can know the truth. We can live the truth. And we can speak the truth, live the truth, all still in love. Amen. And understanding what true Bible love is. And, and, and to understand at least, I guess, what I was able to cover, there are false teachers out there. Don't believe everybody with the Bible and a smile. Don't believe all of them. Uh, listen. Listen with discernment. Listen to me with discernment. Bring your Bibles. Check what I'm saying. Call me out if necessary. Listen, I'm a man, and, and I study, and I make it a point to... to uh, when I get up in here, I spend a lot of time on what I'm going to present to you. But there's times I'll throw something in at the last minute. <laughs> and, and the times that I do that, literally, there'll be times right before I leave the house, I'll be like, ooh, there's that one verse. And I'll just throw it in there and I'm thinking, that's going to be so good. But you know what I appreciate? Ralph's not here, so I'm going to say something good about him instead of picking on him. I appreciate when Ralph says, brother... That verse didn't seem, that verse didn't go along with what the rest of the stuff you were saying. I mean, he, you know, he did it in a gracious way, but I appreciate that. I appreciate when, uh, you know, Curtis, it's been a couple weeks ago, I, it was just Bible trivia. And I, it, no, it wasn't Bible trivia again, it was just a last second thought. And I was trying to uh, do something with, uh, I was taking the saints of, of Revelation where the Bible says the, the martyrs of the tribulation period, and I was trying to say that was us. I knew we weren't martyrs in the tribulation period, but I was given those verses, but I was thinking of the verses over in Revelation 19. So what I'm saying is, I don't always say the right things, but I'm glad that Kurt's like, preacher, that's talking about those martyred saints. I don't think that's talking about me. And I'm like, brother, you're right. So I can be, I can be mistaken, but uh, my, my point is just simply this. By the grace of God, you have the Bible. I I wish I could have got to the verses. We'll get to them later. If anybody's interested, I've got a list of verses I'd love for you to be able to study even before next week. But how the Bible says that you have received the anointing. That if you're saved by the grace of God, you have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the Bible. God can teach you. Amen. He's, given, he's blessed the church with preachers and teachers. But I'm telling you, each of us have the Holy Spirit of God. You can know. Amen. And so I'm just stopping right there because I don't know how else to do it. All right. Uh, amen. Well, Lord, we thank you, God, for the word of God.